Welcome to Disrespectfully Agree with Oatman and LJ. I am LJ. Cross from me. And I am the O to the A to the T to the M A N. Oatman. What's that spell? Oatmanov. Say it again. Oatman. The man That's of right. Oats. Oatman. Monorail. Monorail. <laughs> That's it. Monorail. I swear it's Springfield's only choice. Throw up your hands and raise your voice. Monorail. What's it called? Monorail. Once again. This week we're going to talk about The Favorite, starring Olivia Coleman as Queen Anne, Rachel Weisz as Lady Sarah, her friend, advisor, confidant, and possibly more, Emma Stone as Abigail, cousin to Lady Sarah, no longer a lady. She had been sold off as basically a, as a gambling debt. Uh, this is an odd film. It comes to us from Yorgos Lithamo- Lithamos, and do not correct me because I nailed it. <laughs> Your Greek is flawless. Thank you. <laughs> Who's directed a bunch of stuff I haven't seen, including The Lobster, which I saw mentioned most. I don't know if you've seen that film. Mm-hmm. How was that? I fell asleep. Okay, there you go. Now, not, it may not have been the film. Yeah, so. that, that may be an open thing. Yeah, that might, have been, <laughs> that might be an open thing. We'll start out with some overall reactions, and we'll jump into spoilers, let you know when that happens. So this film, it is askew. It is not of this reality. It is absurdist. But it is also a period drama about political intrigue and betrayal and all of that. So, Oatman, what'd you think? Well, you know, I, I love these kind of films. Oh, because you like I, these period dramas? Well, you know, I love those uh, blah, blah, blah versus history stuff. I love that. What does that mean? You know, it's a historical film about a real thing, and then you go and you find out what the real history oh, yeah, okay, is. Oh, okay, sure. I love that stuff. All right. uh, to me, that's worth the price. As long of- as it's not about Neil Armstrong. <laughs> well, I did it with that. It's horrid. But <laughs> but I just love being able to go back and seeing what the real history is and seeing what choices the filmmaker made. And then when I went back and searched the history here, I found out that, that the filmmaker made a really weird, weird choice here mm-hmm. that's monumental. And I'm like, hmm, why did he do that? Is this a spoiler? It's kind of a spoiler. All right. The favorite, it's been out for it's a while. It's not a spoiler of the film. It's oh. a spoiler of the history. Oh, okay, go ahead then. Well, the spoiler is she was married. But who was she? And she was married. She had a husband who... Yeah, but he died. No, he was alive. Was he? During this period, he was alive. Oh. She was with him. They shared a bed chamber. Okay. It sounds like, oh, that's interesting. But during this entire period, he was good and alive. Okay. Isn't that weird? Yeah, sure. And I guess the way it, it plays better with him not in the picture... Uh, it increases her depth of loneliness her, and isolation. It does that, but it also makes her more important. It makes her more important. It clears the way for these sort of female relationships to form into this triumvirate of competition and very unhealthy <laughs> stuff going on. Yep. So I, I guess it made sense, but man, that's a hell of a omission. I was like, that's odd. And so I, I was just looking through the history. But, but what's funny about the favorite is most of this stuff actually happened thing that they really add is the poisoning and the, the gay sex. But short of that, a lot of it, I think, happens. We don't see her until her death. She's in bad shape at the end of this movie. Yeah. You know, physically, uh, illness and all she that. She suffered from, guess what? Gout. Same thing I suffer from. What? She's, she's when did that gout. start? <laughs> she's a gout sufferer. Among it looks like many other things, but uh, in any case. some mental things going on. But what of the film? 
uh, performances are wonderful. I yep. mean, they're they're wonderful. Olivia Coleman, who I I didn't know of very well, everything is advertised. She was phenomenal. Yes. Uh, the other two ladies, they were phenomenal as well. It was just a weird movie. The writing was just weird. It was almost uh, impressionistic acting. Is the best way to, to describe it? It's it was, it's left of center. It's it's yeah, very it, much. There's a lot of stuff in there that is contemporary acting yeah. and. Not just acting style, but also gestures, uh, some euphemisms. Yeah. And then there's an extended dancing that is, of course, absurdist. And, <laughs> well, he's doing. He's basically doing like a soul train dancing. Yeah. There's <laughs> a there's a lot going on there. So it is. It is not. You know, they're not trying to yeah. portray things as they were. This is something else. The, the film is odd. So on the one hand, it is pretty bog standard story of power and betrayal and politics amongst characters and intrigue and really the, the that basic story part of the uh, the politics of it and trying to get one up over each other is nothing new and it's and it's not new here what this film has going for it is the part where this this reality is on a tilt the camera's on a tilt and the world's on a tilt and it has a dusting of Terry Gilliam within it. Yeah, definitely. And although definitely. although there's so much fish lens in this thing that would make Terry Gilliam blush. <laughs> <laughs> but but there's a dusting of Terry Gilliam. In fact, I think the biggest my biggest fault with this film and it is good, but for me it's neither fish nor fowl again. It's like it's not it doesn't do enough of the intrigue political stuff and it's not absurd enough. So it's kind of Neither here nor there. It, it it needed to be more Terry Gilliam or whatever he wanted to do. It needed to be much more absurd. It reminded me a little bit, oddly enough, and I know this is a weird comparison, but it reminded me a little bit of Death of Stalin. Where it, sure, it, it yeah. It had kind of this, this heightened reality where you almost wanted them to kind of go one way or the other, go, yeah. go a little more over the top or pull it back and make it more traditional, but it gets caught in sort of this nether region between, and then they, they do the real great decision of just stocking it with really great actors. Even some sure. of the smaller players, just really good actors. So I thought it was solid. It was the kind of film I'm glad I saw. Yeah. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. It was weird. I had to watch several parts two and three times mm -hmm. and still didn't get it. Like I still don't get the last scene. Yeah. Let's, we'll have to talk about that. And I was like, Hmm, I'm, I'm trying to process that. Yeah. Uh, and so there were a lot of, there were a lot of pieces in it like that, but I thought it was, I thought it was solidly done. And it was just one of those things. that's just a weird offbeat little art film that I'm glad I got a chance to check out. It gives you an interesting perspective of possibility. What is possible? Uh, I would love for another filmmaker to pick up this style and do something else with it. I can foresee the favorite being the kind of film that inspires a great film uh, yeah. because of what it was trying to do. Because it's very ambitious in what it's trying to do. I don't think it's it gets, not ambitious enough. Yeah, I don't think they get there. But I think a, a greater filmmaker, you know, some kid who's 12 years old sees this film. And if you're 12, maybe don't see this film. <laughs> No, if you're 12, definitely see this film. Okay, well, ask your parents. Yeah, ask your parents. <laughs> but some kid sees this thing and 15 years later makes this this epic based on this. It has that feel to it to me, like a, like one of those little cult classics that inspires some young filmmaker to do something much greater, like a Quentin Tarantino. So this is like um, 
Jupiter ascending for you. This is yeah, you are, uh, somebody brother. saw that horrible garbage and said, I can do better than that. <laughs> or like brother from another planet, you know. John Sales is great. John Sales is great, but it's the kind of film that filmmakers see sure. and, and inspires them to do other greater, more polished work. This had a feel to me of that. Like it didn't get there, but there's enough parts in this thing. Yeah, they just there's a. It's almost like you'd want some kind of marriage of Terry Gilliam and Mel Brooks oh, would be to create something along this, that, this line. That would be amazing. Like, this one thing, like, it's not funny enough. That, no. As, and it should be, I think. I think they're trying. Yeah, I think they're trying. It just never gets there. You're right. I think they, they make the attempt, but it, it just doesn't, doesn't quite get there. And it's, but it's certainly un, it, it succeeds at being an unsettling. Very a fair bit. Like the scene, and this is spoiler alert. All right, we might as well get into spoilers, everybody. Here we go. Warning. Warning. There's a scene at the very end, towards the end, where is it Sarah? You talking about Weiss? Um, Rachel Weiss? Yeah. Yeah. Rachel Weiss comes back after being poisoned and almost yeah. killed, mm-hmm. and that scene of confrontation should have been a classic. And they try to make it almost comic. They almost make that. But it doesn't a, go anywhere. It doesn't go anywhere. Like that, that scene where they come back and, and, and she confronts her and basically says, Oh, you know, I tried to murder you, but you know what? It's all water under the bridge. That scene needs to be 20 times sharper. Like that, that could have been a classic scene in this movie and it just doesn't go anywhere. No. It's like, Oh, and it's not funnier as it should be. Even when she slaps her almost in a comic way. And all the it's, scenes where they're at the shooting range and it's, and, oh, exactly. and it's all the most thinly veiled innuendo. They're just like, Oh, you're improving your shot. You, know, you taught me well. It's like, uh, yeah, I get it. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> got it. And it's just not sharp enough. You this know. gun could have had a bullet in it, you know. <laughs> Somebody could be careless and accidentally, yeah. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of what I read about uh, Black Panther, that they finished Black Panther. And I read they were sitting there and they were looking at it. And I guess Ryan uh, Coogler and some other people were like, man, these are really good scenes, but they just aren't quite sharp enough. Yeah, and then they said, you know what, let's call in some guys. Yeah. They, they called in some comic guys. I think they called in... Uh, the guy from Atlanta, um, uh, one who's won everything, um, Childish Gambino, I forget his yeah, name. Yeah, uh, Daniel. Uh, yeah, Donald Glover and Donald his brother. Glover, and yeah. they, they just called those guys in and said, look, we got a great product here, uh, but we just needed a little sharper. And they just yeah. came in and put some sharp edges on it and just threw some zingers in there. It feels like like the favorite could have used that. like a, And yes. I think you're right, like a Terry Gilliam type of guy that just comes in there, a Mel Brooks, just sharp, put some sharp killer edges on this. Yeah, I don't know who – those guys would um, – Whoever the, the today version of that Yeah, is. whoever it is now, they, they you need somebody with, with that sharpness to, to get the – the kind of tone they're going for needs a much sharper tongue exactly. in you the script, who, and it doesn't really have it. Like, call up Conan O'Brien and just have Conan I don't o- think you're going to get him. <laughs> but I'm just saying, call Conan O'Brien and have him fly in for a weekend. Maybe Robert Smigel. Oh, Smigel would be great. Call Smigel in there. Give him, you know, $200,000. Have him sharpen your script up before yeah. you put it out or something. I mean, the big, the, the one of the great comedy moments in this thing seems to be, what's his name from Jack the Giant Slayer? Uh, just pushing a girl down a hill. Yeah. Like, that's, ooh. <laughs> it, just, 
it's just what yeah. what what wit well done i mean i guess the point is he's not that witty yeah but, but still the, but, it could have been it just almost feels like there are all of these moments that are just teed up there for somebody to smash out of the park and instead they hit a single with them you know it's just not bad it's a it was a, it, the movie yeah. kept my attention they loaded the bases yeah they loaded the bases they 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 got a single here and there they they won the game it just uh, could have been a lot sharper I, I would have liked to have had a sharper writer for some of these scenes um and somebody who by the way i would like a congratulations for using a sports metaphor <laughs> that's your one this year i did one <laughs> Next, we'll get to hat tricks later but go ahead but yeah it's, it would have been nice to have have a, just a home run hitter in here and we don't have home runner hit home home run hitters here we have singles guys and they're yeah. hitting singles all over the place and it's fine and and olivia coleman doing a great performance she gets her, I mean, her she's great and, and like the, great. her moment one of her great moments was just yelling at that that yeah. doorman what? Did you look at me? No, yeah. Did you look at me? How dare you look at me? Look at me. Look at me. How dare you? <laughs> uh, it's great stuff. And, and yeah, she's got just... moments like that throughout and, and her descent. All right. We got to talk about the ending. Yeah. So let, I... let's talk about it. So if you haven't seen the film and you don't care about spoilers, Emma Stone, Abigail, has basically replaced Rachel Weisz's character, Lady Sarah, as her confidant and, you know, close friend, paramour, whatever. But Emma Stone is is not really does not have the Queen's interest at heart. Uh, she's much more self serving than Rachel Weisz was. Although Rachel Weisz also self serving, but she seemed to have more of an interest in Olivia to some extent. Mm, uh, I don't know if I agree with that, but okay, uh, a little bit. But uh, I think the I think the one that Emma Stone gets has unraveled more. I think what the, the, perhaps yeah she's at the at that point she looks like she smells. Yeah, she's in bad shape. She's in bad shape. We get so the last scene, the last moment is Queen Anne stands up. She gets she you know wiggles out of bed. She stands up against the wall and says, "My feet hurt. Rub my, my, leg. rub my legs." And Emma Stone gets down on her hands and knees, and we just see basically her from the neck up, and we see Queen Anne from the neck up. We go back and forth, and it looks suggestive, certainly, and. Queen Anne steadies herself by putting her hand on Emma Stone's head, which, again, continues the suggestive nature of the image. And then we get both of their faces overlaid upon one another, and then the bunnies, who the rabbits who represent her dead children, Anne's ch- dead children, multiply and fill out the screen that... And eventually covers up everything and takes over the image, and we're just left with rabbits. Yeah, something that never happened, by the way. Where, the rabbits? Yeah. Okay. In fact, they were saying in that day and age, it's actually been a shift that rabbits were not considered cute, cuddly animals. They were considered rats. Yeah, and especially, I mean, the rabbits, the more wild rabbits are much more yeah, wiry. Yeah, they were looking. considered, they would be, it would be like her having a bunch of rats in her room. Sure. No way that There's would nothing wrong with rats. Incredibly smart, intelligent creatures. Whatever you're into. At least I know what to get you for your birthday. I don't want one, but there's nothing wrong. I'll make sure to get you a cadre of rats to bring back to Hey, they make good pets, I'm told. So that's the last image we're left with. What do we make of it? I did look up some some people's examinations of this. There's no consensus for what it means. Some make more sense than others. What do we make of it? 
I don't know. I mean, it just it's one of those moments where I feel like I should be smarter or something. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I was like, what does that mean? Like, it made no sense. I, I don't know. I, I It's one of those moments I, I get the sense it's the director just trying to go for a feeling. Well, maybe you're right. More than a message. or what, was uh, the, what do you think the feeling he was trying to leave us with? Uh, creeped out. Uh, yeah, that was, well, he got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, was, he was, in fact, successful. It, there's no consensus. <laughs> it's just... I saw some more absurd things. There's like, oh, it's, it represents blah, blah, blah. I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. I think mostly it's just like, yeah, this would be weird. <laughs> I think you're right. That makes more sense to me that he's just trying to cultivate a feeling yeah. in that moment, using that technique to create a mood and a feeling. I think your guess is the, is the, is the best thing that I can think <laughs> of, that he was trying to cultivate a mood. I get, Yeah, a lot of people just seem to be trying to rationalize what this is, and I'm not sure... He was going for that. Yeah, I, I, I had no clue. I, I watched it over and over again. I was like, I don't know what that's supposed to be. <laughs> okay. So in, in, in a sense, thought-provoking, successful in that way, maybe. Yeah, definitely. So it's fine. It, you know, it's, it's well done, mostly. Uh, one, one little thing. Love the font, too. I love that. Oh, the, they did the justified uh, titles in between chapters where it's all spread out like a newspaper column, like the that. font style, yeah. I like that. Yeah, it's nice. there, there are great touches it, it, throughout. Definitely. And people love this movie. I see. And we're going to be one of the the few. That are like, eh, yeah, it's cool. It's all right. All right, everybody, look us up on the Facebooks. We're on the internets at disagreepodcast.com. You can find us on the iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, the Google Play Music Store, and so on. We will talk at you next week, everybody. Bye. Peace and chicken grease. Tell an enemy about the show. That's good. I mean, you know, acting's like, great. Olivia Cole, one of the best uh, acceptance speeches I've seen in some time. I didn't. Uh, I've not watched the Oscars in years. It was fabulous. She was a great. She had a great acceptance speech. Uh, how does it compare to Spike Lee's? Spike Lee's is awful. What's wrong with it? I don't know, him up there talking about slaves. I don't, I don't know what the hell is he talking about. What's wrong with that? I don't know, just get up there and thank your mother like everybody else. Jesus Christ. That's not how Spike Lee works. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. What did you expect? Back in 1472. Oh, okay, Spike. Oh, all right, guy. Fine. Jesus Christ. You want me to cut this out? No, leave it in. Please leave it in. It's going to get you into trouble? No, leave it in. <laughs> okay. I like Spike Lee. I just, you know, I just... You know, I, I just to me, I like those speeches that are more emotional and less political. Yeah, I, I, you know, I tend to agree. When Regina got up there and she was in tears and she's looking out to her mom, and you could just imagine all the things that that mom has had to do for her to keep her going, because you know she was a child actor, and to go from being a child actor on two two seven to make the journey to winning Oscars and Golden Globe, that is one heck of a journey. Yeah. And so to get there, and, and she looks out and she's thanking her mom. I just, I'm a sucker for that yeah. stuff. I really, I'm, I'm a sucker for that. Stuff. What do you think would happen today? With remember Adrian Brody when he won, yeah. went up there and just laid one on Halle Berry. Boy, in the age of me too, but that'd be rough. Wonder how that would go. It wouldn't. <laughs> it wouldn't at all. They're they're sitting up here. They're they're like questioning the sailor and the nurse. I mean, they're looking at that oh, guy. Side-eyed. From, from World War II? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that guy's getting side-eyed. I mean, you know, that, that that wouldn't play now. It just wouldn't. Even at the time, I must admit, it was like, oh, it's bold. Yeah. Uh, a little. A little. A little. Uh, yeah. Yeah.